came across a humorous anecdote. It was a letter that read like this. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. (laughs) That would be conditional love. Which leads me to the next word that I want to share with you in this marriage series we're calling Four Words for Your Marriage. Last week we talked about the idea of covenant and what that means for our marriages. And the word I want to give you this morning and discuss with you this morning is the word unconditional. Unconditional. It's an important word. If you and I want to have Healthy, happy, holy marriages, we must understand what this word conditional or unconditional is all about. So keeping that in mind, look with me in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse 25. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I want to ask you, This morning, if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word, which is truth with no mixture of error. How's everybody feeling this morning? Now, you know, when you have an extra hour of sleep, I I expect a more lively congregation. All right? Just letting you know on the front end. Ephesians 5, verse 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. We talked about that last week as we discussed covenant. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is Profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we are grateful, Lord, for another opportunity to gather. Lord, we gather to praise your great name. You are worthy of our worship. And we gather, Lord, because we need you. We gather expectantly, knowing that through your word, applied to our hearts by your spirit, you will encourage us and challenge us and transform us. So, Lord, would you just have your way in our midst? Lord, I pray that you'd use this sermon and this series of sermons 
to infuse the marriages in our church with hope. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Unconditional. It's an important word. And there are four vital principles related to this word that I want to discuss with you this morning to help us to unpack the idea of what unconditional means. And so the first principle I want to share with you related to this word is this. The Bible calls husbands to unconditional love. Now guys, we're going to start with the husbands. We're not going to stop there, okay? We'll get to the wives in a minute. But it begins with the husbands. The Bible calls husbands to unconditional love. Here in this verse that we began with, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We're reminded that marriage is a picture of the gospel. It reminds us in a, in a not a perfect way, but in a way it reminds us of the love that Christ has for his church. And as this passage unfolds, he talks about a husband's love for his wife, and he talks about Christ's love for his church. You see the interplay throughout this passage. Then he sums it up in verse 30, 33. Each one should love his wife as himself. The, the wife should respect her husband. But it begins with the husband loving his wife in an unconditional way. This verse 25 answers two questions for us. The first question is, how did Jesus love? Well, Jesus modeled radical love. He modeled radical love. It says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How much does Jesus love us? He loves us so much that he gave his life for us. That is amazing, radical love. And here's why it's so radical. The fact that Jesus died for our sins is radical because we don't deserve it. When it comes to uh, the Lord, all we bring to the table is our sin. God is perfect. The Bible says he is light in him. There is no darkness at all. And you and I have all rebelled against a holy God. We've all done things God's told us not to do. And we've all failed to do things God has told us to do. So because we've sinned against a holy God, we are separated from God. And we deserve to be separated from him for all eternity in that awful place called hell. Because God is perfect and we have rebelled against him. But here's the good news. The good news is that in spite of our sin and our rebellion and our imperfection, God loves us. How much does he love us? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's how much you are loved by God. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus didn't die for us because we are worthy or because we deserve it. He died for us even though we don't deserve it. And that, my friends, is radical love. Love your wives as Christ loved the church, as he gave himself up for her. So this verse answers the question, how did Jesus love? But it also answers the question, who did Jesus love? Jesus loved the undeserving. It says, Christ Loved the church. Who's the church? The church refers to those who have been born again. Those who know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. If you are a Christ follower, you are part of the church. 
And the Bible here says that Jesus loves you. And this is the model for husbands to love their wives. But notice here that Jesus loves undeserving folks like me in a radical way. How does Jesus love? He loves radically. Who does Jesus love? He loves the undeserving. And so you might say that Jesus' love for us is unconditional. In fact, I want to give you a statement that I heard years ago. When I heard it, I had to kind of scratch my head because it sounds almost too good to be true. But biblically, it's true. And here's the statement. There is nothing you can do to get God to love you any more than he already does. He loves you perfectly, and he proved it by sending his son to down the cross for your sins. Amen? And there's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less than he already does. He died for you while you were a sinner, not because you deserve it, right? His love for us is unconditional love. Now, we can embrace that love and follow Christ, believing in him as our personal Lord and Savior, or we can reject that love. But whether we embrace it or reject it doesn't change the reality. God radically, unconditionally loves you, right? And here we go, guys. The Bible says that unconditional love is a pattern that husbands are to follow in loving their wives. Wow. So if Christ loves us unconditionally, then husbands ought to love their wives unconditionally, right? That's what this verse teaches. But then the Bible speaks to the wives. In verse 33... He says, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Which leads us to the second uh, principle related to the word unconditional. You ready? The Bible calls wives to unconditional respect. The Bible calls husbands to unconditional love. The Bible calls wives to unconditional respect. In fact, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 where this idea is... So clearly displayed, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. This verse tells wives how to change their husbands. Their husbands are acting like they ought to. This verse tells you, wives, how to change their behavior. And it calls wives here to unconditional respect. Now, I want to say something to husbands real quick here. I believe that you and I should seek to be worthy of our wives' respect. Amen? We we ought to be uh, men that are living in such a way that we are worthy of our wives' respect. Years ago, uh, the summer before my last semester in college, I was an intern with Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, a mentor of mine that I was working with 
challenged me to go into a time of fasting with him. So that summer, we decided to fast for three days, only drinking water. And we chewed a lot of gum, by the way, which I don't know if that's allowed with fasting, but we did it. And we went without food, just drinking water for three days' time. And my friend said, as we fast, you need, to, you need to be praying about something specific, some need in your life. So I thought, I know what I need to pray for. I need to pray about my future spouse. I'm about to go through my last semester of college, and, and uh, I, you know, I want to find the one that God has for me. So I'm going to pray about my future spouse. Now, at this time, Claire and I were not together. We had been together. We weren't at this time. That's an entirely different story. And, and we, we weren't together, um, so I was going to pray about my future spouse. And I don't mean to sound mystical, but as I prayed, uh, fasting, you know, and, and during lunchtime I'd read my Bible and pray. As, as, as I prayed, I had this, this image of a bride in my mind, but her face was blurry. I couldn't tell who that bride was going to be. I wanted God to show me who he wanted me to marry. And one day on my lunch break, fasting, sensitive to God, sensitive to the Spirit of God, I began to read Proverbs 31, because who didn't want a Proverbs 31 wife, right? And I was reading through Proverbs 31. I was like, God, I want you to give me a Proverbs 31 kind of wife. And I was reading that passage and enjoying, thinking about my Proverbs 31 wife God was going to give me. And I came across a verse that absolutely gripped my heart. Because it wasn't about the wife, it was about the husband. In Proverbs 31, 23, the Bible says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. In other words, the Proverbs 31 wife has a husband that's worthy of respect. And the Lord used that to show me, instead of worrying so much about who your wife's going to be, you need to worry about you. You need to walk with me, and I'll take care of the wife part. And so, God got my attention. I began to really focus on my walk with the Lord. And guess what? God brought Claire back into my life, and he gave me a Proverbs 31 wife. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? It's how God works. But that verse reminded me that I'm to live in a way that I'm worthy of my wife's respect. I need to seek to live in that manner. But, are you ready? Husbands will not always be worthy of respect. There are times that we as husbands just blow it. And we're just not worthy of respect. I remember one time I uh, took the bull by the horns and I went into the kitchen. I did all the dishes, wiped down the counters. The kitchen was spotless. And I said to Claire, Claire, I did the kitchen. Now Claire looked at me. She didn't say anything. She was gracious. But I could tell by the look in her face, congratulations, Wade. I do that every day. <laughs> you know, I wanted some praise. I wanted her to tell me how great I am because I did the, the dishes once in a blue moon. But, but you know, she's looking at me like, okay, Wade, yeah, great. Good job. Good job, right? But there are times we just, we just blow it. Uh, my dad is a great handyman. He can fix anything. And uh, I wish that growing up I would have spent more time hanging out with dad, fixing stuff. But I was busy chasing a soccer ball around and, and chasing Claire. That's another story as well. And, and uh, 
And, and, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time learning how to do things around the house. I'm not a very good handyman, and when something gets broken, it takes me too long to fix it sometimes or get somebody to come over and help me fix it, which happens a lot. And, and, uh, and, and you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, there are times that things break, and I, I'm not attentive, and, I, you know, I just, don't, I just don't take care of things the way I need to. There are times I watch too much sports. How about you guys? Anybody? I remember one time... Uh, uh, it was it was it was during the beginning of the summer. I think it was I think it was the NBA Finals, and I told Claire, Claire, I've, this is Game Seven. Do you understand how important a Game Seven is? This is a this is Game Seven. This decides the series. I got to watch this, and and after this, you know, it, it's kind of a dead period for sports. So I'll be done for a while, and and I'm not going to watch sports anymore uh, for a while. And so I watched Game Seven, and the series was over. And like the next day, I don't remember what it was, but something like the British Open golf tournament. And, and uh, I was watching, she said, what is this? I said, it was the British Open. It's very important. It's a major. We got to watch it. And, and then after that, it comes on Wimbledon tennis. I mean, I just like sports, right? And uh, there are times I just, I just watch too much sport. But there are times that I am not worthy of my wife's respect. There are times I flat blow it. And the question becomes, when a husband's not acting like he ought to, and 1 Peter 3, 1 speaks of a husband not acting spiritually like he ought to. He says he's being disobedient to the word. When a husband's not acting like they're supposed to, how can a wife change their behavior? That's what this verse is about. Now you've heard the descriptor, a nagging wife. A nagging wife. Which means that a wife wants to see her husband's behavior change, and so she nags for him to change. But here's the problem. Nagging doesn't work. And if you get your husband to act a certain way because of your nagging, he's going to do it, but with a chip on his shoulder. Right? Nagging doesn't work. And so 1 Peter 3, 1 teaches us how a wife can positively influence her husband. And it says there in verse 1, without saying a word. How? Look what it says. Be subject to your own husbands. Verse 2 is they see your respectful and pure conduct. This verse teaches that a wife is to unconditionally respect her husband. Not because he deserves it, because notice it says there, he's being disobedient to the word. Doesn't deserve respect, but the wife can show respect, and by that, see her husband change. Not nagging, not words, respectful behavior. And so, the Bible calls men to unconditionally love their wives and women to unconditionally respect their husbands. Now, it's not that a husband doesn't need to be loved or a wife doesn't need to be respected. But, based upon the Word of God, the Lord has primarily wired men to be motivated by respect and primarily motivated women to be, or, or wired women to be motivated by love. That's how He's wired us. That is our primary first need. Men need to be respected Women need to be loved, and this should happen unconditionally. Which leads to the third principle related to this. A conditional mindset leads to unhealthy marriages. A conditional mindset leads to unhealthy 
healthy marriages. When we choose to withhold our love or our respect because we don't think our spouse is worthy, that's when we see unhealthy marriages develop. You see, conditional behavior is driven by selfishness and leads to dissatisfaction. Over in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, the Bible says, Do nothing, so this certainly applies to marriage, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Then it goes on to tell us what Jesus did. Even though he is equal with God, he left the splendor and glory of heaven. He emptied himself of the rights of deity, and he took on human flesh. And the Bible says he he became obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus laid down his rights so he could go to the cross and die for our sins. That's unconditional, right? And Philippians says we're to have that same attitude in our own lives. Just like Jesus, laying down self for the good of others. Isn't it interesting that all these marriage principles take us back to the cross? Conditional behavior leads to unhealthy marriages. I read a book which really helped me with this, really helped nail down these principles by a man named Emerson Egricks. And the book's called Love and Respect. It's a great book if you haven't read it. But he tells the story in that book of, of, of something that happened early on in his marriage. He was a pastor, involved, busy with ministry. And he said, I had problems remembering special days. And my wife knew that. So one day she decided to test me. And she wanted to know if I would remember her birthday. So here's what the wife began to do. She began to hide all the birthday cards that came in the mail. So he wouldn't see them. It would trigger him to think, oh, I need to get something for my wife. And so she hid all the birthday cards. Sure enough, Emerson Egrich was busy with life and ministry and pastoring. And he came home on her birthday and didn't remember it was her birthday. And they were sitting at dinner. And she said, I guess you forgot my birthday. He said, I felt the blood leave my face because I had forgotten her birthday. And he said, I I, I couldn't nail it down, but in that moment, I knew that she felt unloved because I didn't remember. But I felt kind of set up. She'd been hiding cards from me. And so it's, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my finger up, but I felt disrespected. Before you know it, we were in conflict from that episode. Now, I told that story in the first service. I had a gentleman come up to me, a member of our church, come up to me, and he said, uh, one time I was coming home from work, and I remembered it was my wife's birthday. So I whipped into the store. I went in there, grabbed a card. I borrowed a pen from the cashier, wrote uh, love, and he wrote his name there, closed the card, put in the envelope, uh, sealed it, took it home to his wife, said, happy birthday. She opened it up. The card was in Spanish. <laughs> True story. But things like that 
Situations like that can make a wife feel unloved. And in that story with Dr. Eggers, he felt disrespected. And as he began to study the Word of God, he was able to develop a principle to really, um, to, to really encapsulate what he was feeling on that day. He calls it the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle. And here's what the crazy cycle is. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. So if a wife is primarily motivated by love and she's not getting that which she needs the most, her natural tendency will be to withhold respect. And then the husband's not getting what he needs the most, which is respect. So his tendency is going to be to what? Withhold love. And before you know it, each person in the marriage is withholding from their spouse what their spouse needs most. And then they find themselves on the crazy cycle. Conflict, unhappiness, misery. The crazy cycle. Now once you know this principle, it's easy to spot it in your own marriage. In fact, I read the book Love and Respect and I I learned about the the crazy cycle. Which by the way comes straight from Ephesians chapter 5. And shortly thereafter, I was driving in, in, in the vehicle with Claire, and we were expecting our second child. We knew it was going to be a boy. And we were just driving along, and Claire just kind of mentioned in passing, uh, you know, we need to get some new bedding for, uh, for Caleb, our next son. We need to get some, some new bedding for his crib. And, and I was thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Our first child was a boy, so we already have bedding for a boy that we can use again. I threw that idea out there. Claire said, well, you know, I want him to feel special. I want to fix up his room, and I want to get him some new bedding. And then I said, you know, Mr. Mr. Frugal, now, wait, wait a minute. We already got it. This is practical. You know, in third world countries, they don't have this. So we, you know, we, 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 we should go with the same bedding. And before you know it, we were on the crazy cycle. Why? She didn't feel loved. I didn't value her, her desire to make the room special for our next son. I didn't feel respected that she wasn't valuing my desire to, to, to kind of, you know, recycle and use things twice to save a little bit of money. And we were on the crazy cycle. And I could identify because I just read the book. <laughs> this is the crazy cycle. And it happens just that quick. Now, hey, before I move on, this is a poll of just the men in the audience, Okay. Uh, how many think we got new bedding for Caleb? Raise your hand. You're right. We did. We did. All right. We did. We did. That's a, that's, a, that's a silly example of how quickly a husband and wife can get on the crazy cycle. And each person in the marriage is withholding from their spouse what they need the most. So what do you do when you're on the crazy cycle? How do, you, how do you break the crazy cycle? Well, that leads to the fourth principle. Marriage sanity is restored when one or both parties in the marriage act unconditionally. Marriage sanity is restored when one or both parties in the marriage act unconditionally. Now, here's the deal. If you are on the crazy cycle and you don't think your spouse deserves love or deserves respect... The word unconditional says you show respect or love anyway. But this is so very important. So come in real close. If you've heard nothing I've said to this point, I want you to hear this next statement. 
Unconditional behavior is supernatural. So ask the Lord for help. Showing unconditional love, though your spouse may not deserve it, or unconditional respect, though your spouse may not deserve it, it's not natural. The natural thing is to get upset and withhold that which they need the most. That's natural. To show, to show love and respect unconditionally is supernatural. You can't do it without God's help. And I think this is interesting. Over in Ephesians 5, that long passage on marriage that I read at the beginning of this sermon. Right before that passage, there's a passage on the importance or even the command of being filled with the Spirit. Now, I don't think that's an accident. And so in Ephesians 5.18, the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And it talks about the implications of the Spirit-filled life. And then the next passage is on marriage. It's not an accident. You need the Spirit of God filling you up, empowering you, guiding you, so that you can live unconditionally towards your wife. Listen to me. You can't do it in your own strength. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You remember last week I mentioned the cord of three strands. If your marriage is you and your spouse and the Lord, that will be a strong marriage. But if you're trying to do marriage in your own strength and wisdom, you are going to fail spectacularly. We need God's help. Unconditional behavior is supernatural. And here's the good news. You ready? Unconditional behavior can start with one person. One person. Tim Keller in his wonderful book, The Meaning of Marriage, writes this. Let's say you are the only one who decides my selfishness is the thing I'm going to work on. What will happen? Usually there's not much immediate response from the other side. But often, over time, your attitude and behavior will begin to soften your partner. He or she can see the pains you are taking. And it will be easier for your spouse to admit his or her faults because you are no longer always taking Uh, talking about them yourself. So, if both of you decide to work on your selfishness and minister to the other, the prospects for your marriage are great. But listen to this next phrase. But even if only one of you does it, your prospects are still good. In other words, there is great potential in just one spouse saying, I'm going to break the crazy cycle by taking the first step. You know what Emerson Egrick says in his book? Because the question was asked, well, if you're on the crazy cycle and someone needs to show unconditional love and respect, who takes the first step? Here's what Emerson Egrick says, whichever one is most spiritually mature. Wow. Wow. Now, man, I've got an unfair advantage when it comes to conflict uh, in my marriage um, because I happen to know that Claire loves 80s love music, 80s love songs. So when we're having a spirited discussion, I can find some 80s music on my phone or even sing it myself. And, and she is like putty in my hands. 
little Peter Cetera, little Atlantic Star, you know, sing one of those songs, and, uh, and she can't stay mad at me. So that, I know that's an unfair advantage, all right? And I'll use that strategically if I have to. And not only that, but when Claire and I were growing up, we listened to some, some country music, too. And I remember there was a, a country song that, uh, that I used to listen to, that I used to like. It went something like this. I'm not going to sing it. It went something like this. I'll start walking your way. And you, what? You'll start, you rednecks, y'all know that song. (laughs) I'll start walking your way. You'll start walking mine. We'll meet in the middle, need that old Georgia pine, right? All right. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to take the first step and start walking her way or his way? Even if they don't start walking your way. Are you willing to take the first step and show unconditional love or unconditional respect? Who will take the first step? If you both do it, that's wonderful. If only one does it, there's potential. Potential for great impact in your marriage. And so these verses remind us that we live with someone who's not perfect. And if we're going to enjoy marriages that honor God, we've got to learn to live and love unconditionally. Husbands unconditionally loving their wives and wives unconditionally respecting their husbands. Because here's the point. Our marriages will be healthier, happier, and holier when spouses extend unconditional love and respect. 